golf is one of those sports that doesn't give you like a fair representation of your athletic endeavor. No. Like I feel like I, I can sling a golf ball pretty decent, like one out of every hundred shots. Yeah. And that's about it. Yeah. There's no form. You know my form. My form is horrendous. It's a, You slice it. Yeah. That's an understatement. Every time. I think the clubs aren't long enough, though. That's Well, we did do better using the women's clubs. We did. So. And it was like close and hunched over, and it just, it's not. Yeah. Maybe if like you have I mean, a bad swing, short clubs are the way to go. And I have a horrible swing. Yeah. If you're going to swing like a baseball bat, you might as well use a bun. Dude, that's what I was saying. Happy Gilmore style all day. Yeah. Except did you see a top golf? They had the sign that said you couldn't do a, a run up hit. Did they really? Yeah. No happy Gilmores. That's lame. Top golf. Change your policy. Yeah. I don't know. Zach's back. I'm back. Again. Again. There's something comforting about the scent of a pine candle. Yeah. In the studio. In the studio. In the studio. Next to uh Zach's uh what would you call it? Your uh, waistband pistol? Yeah. Your Glock. Appendix carry. Smith & Wesson. It's a... God, what is that? It's a SIG. SIG Sauer? Yeah. Yeah. P365 XL. Yeah. I almost bought the P365, but when I, I have a buddy that has one, and whenever I hold it and shoot it, like with my grip, my left thumb barely overlaps on the barrel, and I'm like, I'm going to mm. shoot my thumb off. So <laughs> get the XL. Extended barrel, it adds like an inch. Yeah, because nobody can see it, but our... Our spread on the counter is a stuffed lamb that I've done surgery on because we wow. ripped the tail off. I had to sew it back up. We have an instant pot, some peanut butter filled pretzels, a six hour pistol, keyboard, wireless keyboard, a evergreen candle that's been burning for a long time. It's a spread. Quite the spread. But it's like Thanksgiving for weirdos. Yeah. Yeah. But now we've done like a lot of the podcasts with the candle. Remember yeah. you had that theory about some operant conditioning with with uh, sense? Yeah. So maybe that's it. You got to come up with content. You have to have a pine scented candle. It just puts us in the zone. Also, compared to the first podcast that we did, which took like thirty minutes for us to get going, just yeah. being idiots. Now it's like smooth sailing. We do a quick mic check. Quick mic check. Good to go. And we're good. We can just hop straight in. Yeah. Anyways, did you work out this morning? Uh, technically, did a private lesson, mm. but no lift. Been starting to lift though. I did. I started uh, well, like right after the comp, and uh, it's been painful <laughs> to get back into it because it's like you know, you have some muscle memory, which is good, and yeah. I feel like significant difference already just at the end of this week compared to when I started, strength wise, form wise, just muscular wise i feel different but uh it's painful i'm sore constantly again to so strength training to uh just improve your jujitsu or your grappling or is it to look good naked uh, a little bit of both hmm. a little bit of both because dude i was like 215 yeah around this time last year 215 like is nothing super impressive with the lifts but like well within the thousand pound club yeah and then now I'm like, could you divulge what the thousand pound club is? Uh, when your bench squat and deadlift totals. So like your one rep max for each one of those exercises combined is over a thousand pounds. A hefty, so. lofty goal. 
a lofty goal, but doable. Because what is it? Uh, like the sort of benchmark things when you feel like you're considered strong are like 225 bench, 315 squat, 405 deadlift. Like kind of rough estimate. Just but for that's, like when you're in the gym and you consider that person to be decently strong? Yeah, like realistically one plate on bench, two plates on squat and three plates on deadlift are like mm. kind of your initial goals when you first get in there like some people really struggle to hit 135 on bench that's true and then once you've been going for a while it's like you're chasing that 225 bench and you're chasing the 315 squat and the 405 deadlift and then once just you get there you're like oh shit always sitting just slightly out of reach yeah slightly out of reach that's what it feels like like i still remember the exact moment and everything that i first hit 225 is a huge moment for me especially because i suck at benching uh, you know that yeah but you know deadlift carried me into the thousand pound club pretty easily so. i don't i don't remember the first time i benched 225 probably a long time ago i don't remember the first time i benched 315 yeah i would definitely remember that as well i got immersed in a pretty um hardcore powerlifting gym i guess you could say back in wisconsin back in wisconsin at uh animal house gym one of the best gyms that there is that i've ever been to and i mean there was i mean there's just testosterone in the air yeah it's so powerlifting gym yeah well i've actually never been to a bodybuilding gym gym. oh it was bodybuilding yeah never been to one of those either yeah so pretty much only been to commercial gyms actually la fitness 24-hour fitness planet fitness yeah never really lifted at like a specific gym specific gyms are good they're good, but I don't want to spend like 200 bucks to go and lift it. No, they were cheap. It was only like 45 bucks a month. Yeah, but it's Wisconsin. You've sent me <laughs> links to like mansions in Wisconsin for $350,000. Yeah, well, Little Wayne did rhyme mansion with Wisconsin. That was T-Pain. Oh. <laughs> not Little Wayne, but. You know. You're a neuroscientist, not a hip-hop I'm historian. I'm culturally no. endeavored in that, but that's okay. No, it's okay. You were close. close. You knew the bar, and that's what matters. See? But. Sometimes we say quotes and don't know who said it. Yeah, see, immediately when I think of like that rap song or something, I I just think of Little Wayne because he's such a big Packer fan. Is Wayne a Packer fan? Yeah. How, what? Since but, when? Since always. Lil Wayne is a Packer fan. Big Packer guy. Are we sure about this? I'm ninety percent sure, sixty percent of the time for most things, and this is slightly under that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I believe that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's a Saints fan. Saints fan? Saints. He's from Louisiana. Well, nobody's a Saints fan. So well, that's if you're makes from that Louisiana, easy. you're a Saints fan. If you're from Montana? Louisiana. Oh yeah. Louisiana. Yeah, Orleans. Yeah. Well. I guess we'll never know. Never know. But Lil Wayne does not lift. You know who does lift actually though? And does Muay Thai. Who? And I'm he might do jujitsu as well. It's Wiz Khalifa. Really? Yeah, dude. He got jacked. Like a before and after picture from before you started lifting, like mm. just tall, skinny, lanky. And then he started, uh, I think, lifting and doing like MMA training. So not really anything specific. But uh, yeah, he got in pretty good shape. I remember during skiing, what was one of his songs? Was, it, was he the one that said, uh, you can do it with no hands? I that's think. Waka Flocka. Oh, that's Waka Flocka Flame. Yeah, yeah. no hands is yeah. Waka Flocka. And I think Roscoe Dash. Okay, well, that song I might be mistaken. I did play a lot when I was skiing yeah. during training intervals. Oh. Just kind of kept you going. Yeah, I don't know. What did you always used to listen to in the gym? I listened to some weird stuff in the gym sometimes. Yeah, you do. But it was like 
God, and maybe Katy Perry. I had Doja Cat. Oh, oh a lot of Doja Cat. <laughs> a lot of Doja Cat. <laughs> like walk up to you and be like, "What are you listening to?" And you're like, "Uh, Doja Cat." <laughs> like, yeah. You know. it, it it just hits. It does hit sometimes. I don't know. I I feel like for some of the extreme powerlifting movements. Well, first of all, you can't really say like yourself that you're doing something in extreme fashion because that just kind of is insincere, right? Mm-hmm. But whatever. First time I deadlifted like 600, 605 was definitely either Katy Perry or Doja Cat. Yeah. I feel like there's so much intensity, so much anger, so much raw physical uh, output being put through that you need something to balance it. Yeah. You know, if I have, if I have Slipknot or something just screaming in my head, which I do a lot for like, um, more of like the bodybuilding type of stuff. Yeah, I agree. Actually, lately I've been into Electric Callboy. I don't know what that is. You heard of them? No. Oh, you got to check them out. Used to be called Eskimo Callboy. Now they're Electric Callboy. Okay. Some, uh, metalcore. Okay. It's, it's real good. Yeah. Noted. You got to check it out. That's what's going in my headphones lately. But anyways, I feel like with those extreme lifts, when you're about ready to explode, it just it sort of balances it out and it mellows you out. Yeah. And it kind of, I don't know. It's it's all about that balance. You get too, you get like way too hyped up in the gym. You get way too hyped up and hy- hyperventilate and stuff like that before you go to lift. And then, eh. You just fail. You just, you, you psych yourself up so much that you just mentally have failed before you even get to the bar. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, ah. Yeah. I got to get in this state before I can lift it. And then no, just relax. It's like, you don't, if that's what you need to lift heavy every single time, you're going to burn out really fast, really fast, real fast. I, uh, listened to Olivia Rodrigo for my bench and deadlift PR of like all time PRs. She was in my headphones, squat PR. I didn't even have headphones in. I don't know who that is. Olivia Rodrigo. No. Uh, she did that one song. Good for you. That was super popular. Well, good for you. Mm-hmm. you feel, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that was on a TikTok thing. Yep. I listened to that. Good for you for the um, deadlift PR. And then driver's license was bench PR. Driver's kind of license? It's another one of her songs. I don't remember how it goes. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Listened to it ironically one time because I heard it. I forgot my headphones. Yeah. And they were playing it in the LA Fitness. And... uh had a good workout, and I was like, "Damn, maybe they're onto something. Maybe Olivia we Rodrigo did. is the move." I did tell you the first study I ever did was looking at the effects of music on exercise. Yeah, that would be interesting for lowering the rate of perceived exertion during exercise. Mm-hmm. We did talk about that. Yeah, you just match the beat of the heart, or bleh, match the beat of the music to, or the tempo of the music to the the, the heart rate of the subject. Yeah, lets them go harder without noticing it. Although, I mean, one of the things I dislike, but I guess I don't know what other metric you can use for the rating of perceived exertion, mm-hmm. RPE. So sometimes like in training plans, I'll say like RPE seven. Yeah. I use RPE for a lot of my stuff. Yeah. And it's basically like, of it is RPE. yeah. So basically like if you go until you die, that's like RPE 10.1, mm-hmm. dial it back just a bit. That's mm-hmm. RPE 10. Yeah. So your relative like maximum rating of perceived exertion. Yeah. That would be like considered one rep max. Yeah. yeah. Or running as fast as you can. Mm-hmm. You know, like 400 meter sprint probably at the end is your RPE 10. Oh, I would be 10.1. <laughs> I 
it would explode. Spontaneously. <laughs> Euthanized out there on the track. 100%. Anyways, but it's such a relative, I mean, well, I guess rating of perceived exertion, we should probably just rename it to relative perceived exertion. Yeah. Either way, it's an R and it still fits. But a lot of the training plans have like lifted RPE7, lifted RPE8, or lifted R. Well, you're never going to see a strength training plan that says lifted RPE4. No. No. There's, I mean, <laughs> warm up maybe. Yeah. But either way, the thing that I don't like about it is that it's completely different depending on the day, your state. Like yeah. what your RP, like what your 10 is on a Monday is different than what your 10 is on a Wednesday. Yeah. So like there's no actual like normal, like normality of the data. Yeah, it's tough. Right. It's just sort of like this vague, I think I'm going to seven, but if you're more motivated the other day, that seven might be at nine. Yeah. You know, it's tough. Sometimes I'll do with like, if I'm doing a lot of RPE style training versus, you know, percentage of a one rep max, I'll uh, basically do like a top set and just see how, like if I'm going for whatever movement, say it's just like a inclined dumbbell press and the plan is to do like eight. I'll pick a weight and try and see if I can hit eight. If I can't, mm. then I'm like, okay, I might have to lower the weight. But if I pick a weight and I'm like, okay, eight is the goal, and then I end up doing 12, I'm like, oh, shit, i got to raise the weight. And then I'll just do those for my working sets. Yeah. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But it feels kind of helpful. It's kind of weird to do top sets on accessory lifts, but. I max out on every lift. I'm sure. I'm not like one rep max. Just Once in a while. Raise. But just like to failure. Jeez. Yeah. Every set to failure. See, there's a lot of weird conflicting science, though, that, like, you should push to failure. And it's like, maybe you shouldn't push to failure. I don't see why not. Why not push to failure? I mean, what is the the ultimate goal of strength training? Well, mm, the ultimate goal of strength training can be many things. Can be for mobility. Can be for euphoria to feel better about yourself. Yeah. But in general, to get stronger and to sculpt muscles or to make bigger muscles. Yeah. And if that's the goal then you have to push it to the maximum stress that it can handle at that point. Yeah. So that it has a sufficient stimulus to grow. And so why wouldn't you do that? Like we yeah. know that it's it's load dependent. Yeah. For the stimulus to grow, right? So like if we mm-hmm. take a muscle fiber and we isolate it in a dish, you can you you take it and you string it between two strings and you can measure different forces and stuff on it. Mhm. And then you can stress it and you can see what sort of factors are released, et cetera. And then you can extrapolate it into the whole animal. And then you can do the same thing, right? Where you can put like electric, a lot of, a lot of uh, studies on animals will use like electrostim. So they'll like sew in a a stimulus wire into like the thigh or something like that. And they'll just like force a contraction. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, cause it's hard to like get a mouse to do a leg press. Imagine if you could though. (sighs) I know. Or get, One do, day. or get them to do a bench press. That would be sweet. But anyways, and then you can look at like how the force of contraction relates to the amount of stimuli for muscle growth. Yeah. Or look at the different factors that are released or the inflammation or the tearing and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And we know that it's load dependent. The more that you give it until the point where you actually get t- like, say, rupture the muscle. Yeah. You know. 
who is that person? The maximum that you can get without having a, an injury that uh, prevents the muscle from being used. Yeah. Is the most effective stimulus. So why wouldn't you take it to that every time? But I'm curious. So say you go to absolute failure. Yeah. Like you just can't get another rep. Sure. And then you take it to a nine RPE. So there's like a 10% difference. What percentage of gains do you get extra by going to failure versus just going to 90%? I mean, theoretically, an extra 10%. Theoretically. Yeah. I mean, you would think that, but is that the case? I don't know. Because I don't know. Because there's no the way to like normalize it. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. There's but no like, way to say that this person is at 90. I mean, there is for, we can make you do like a failure. Mm-hmm. Like we can see what your max is and we can yeah. put you at 90% of it. And then we can see what your max is and then we can make you go up to 100% of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. but like a max of what? Ma- your five rep max, your four rep max, your 10 rep max, your one rep max. Yeah your exertional max i guess i'm thinking about it from like a strength versus hypertrophy kind of situation like if you want to bench 315 yeah like you have to lift heavy it's not you could bench 135 30 times in a row and you probably won't hit 315 probably build a bigger chest (laughs) build a bigger chest though because it's more volume yeah it's like the like classic example of like you do three sets of pull-ups every day to max and your max is 10 pull-ups each time so you're doing Mm. 30 a day you get 210 pull-ups at the end of the week but somebody else does 10 sets of five so they're getting 50 yeah so they're doing 350 pull-ups throughout the week and you're doing 210 pull-ups throughout the week yeah 350 is getting way more training volume in which is probably going to lead to better hypertrophy but you might not be getting stronger it's fair like it's it's touchy because you're used to you're used to tapping out at five. Yeah. But overall, you're getting more stimulus on the muscles throughout the week because yeah. you're doing more volume. It's true. I don't know. Volume and everything is confusing. I mean. It's a lot. It all comes down to progression. Yeah. Overload, progression. I think your training plan, too, makes a big difference because I've done a lot. Like, I've done push-pull legs. I've done, like, bro splits. I've done bro split. You know, four days a week, upper lower, upper lower. I've done three and four days a week, mm. um, like full body. Like a my, one of my favorite exercise plans was just Monday, Wednesday, Friday, five by five. Everybody loves the five by five. The five by five was fantastic, but the best gains that I ever saw, like uh, hypertrophic gains and strength gains, yeah, came from Monday, Tuesday, upper lower, strength focused, and then. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, push-pull legs, hypertrophy-focused. Yeah. And that was, like, the best plan that I've ever had. And it was my favorite plan. And, it like, everything, all my lifts went up significantly. Muscles got way bigger. It was great. But not you, always realistic to lift five days a week. Like, right now, I couldn't afford to lift five days a week. Physically, couldn't afford it. I'm, I'm lifting about five times a week right now. Yeah, that's impressive. How many days do you train jiu-jitsu per week? Six or seven. Well, fuck, man. I feel like a real softy now. Because I do six six training sessions a week of jiu-jitsu, sometimes seven. And then uh, lifting. I mean, it's partially time as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, trying to lift that much as well as jiu-jitsu has been tough. I might get back into it, though, and be able to do five days a week. Mixing the lifting. sports is tough. Yeah, because I feel like I don't see significant gains in either one of them 
because I don't have any specific focus. Yeah. But my focus right now is to do like right now I'm doing like three days a week, four days a week of lifting and then six training sessions. And all of my lifting is purposefully programmed to um, support jujitsu. I think so many people get stuck in that middle ground of they're trying to mix like, let's say for a grappler, jujitsu or someone that wants to do running marathon running or they want to do a what's a what's another common sport running or jujitsu rock climbing rock climbing good old pnw yeah rock climbing you got a crossfitter or something that wants to like do crossfitting but they want to incorporate pure strength to increase their their output for strength Mm -hmm. so many people get caught up in this middle ground of they're trying to mix the two sports and so then they end up getting just fatigued in each and so they they go kind of hard in strength and they go kind of hard in jujitsu and they end up just not going hard in either of them. And they're like plateauing and they just plateau because they never really go out of that comfort zone for either. Cause if they do go out of that comfort zone, they go into start, they start doing actual load for strength. That's going to result in, in muscle growth and hypertrophy. Then you're going to be sore. You're going to be a little bit stiff and your jujitsu is going to take a hit or your running is going to take a hit. And at the same time, if you're just killing it, in CrossFit or in with your Metcons, I think they call them. Metcons. Metcons. Metabolic conditioning. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think there's a protein bar called Metcon. And that's all I can see probably, is the wrapper. There's probably a lot of supplements of it now. Probably. Um, or rowing or running or whatever it is. If you're know, if you putting in your interval work and you're doing your speed work and all that kind of stuff, then you go to the gym and it's going to take a hit because you're you're pretty exhausted from yeah those and so you end up living in this middle ground where you're not really gaining any strength and you're not getting faster and you just you think increasing like i don't know what it is about like the default like setting of the human mind that when it's not working they just usually the answer is to just do more of each well clearly i'm not getting stronger so i need to lift more or clearly my metabolic conditioning is not up to par, so I need to do more intervals, or I got to do longer runs or longer bikes, and then what happens? They get hurt. Yeah, every time. Every time. And Dude, then that's they... what happened to my shoulder. Yeah. Uh, like right when I first moved over here, I started off doing that Monday, Wednesday, Friday, five by five, doing good. Bumped up to an upper lower split four days a week, and then did push pull legs, and then I would do push pull legs like you know six days a week. Yeah. Uh, so two push, two pull, two legs. And then on Sundays, I would do like hypertrophy for my arms. And uh, I ended up fucking on my shoulder. Yeah. And, happened, and then couldn't lift for like a month and a half. Yeah. We got to make like a, a graphical cycle of this because then every time that they get hurt, then the, the same mm-hmm. thing is always said. This injury, it sucks in the beginning because it mm-hmm. like just demoralizes them, right? Yeah. And then towards the end, they say, actually, this might have been the best thing for my training that ever happened because mm-hmm. I finally take a step back. Yeah. And sort of are are not so exhausted from trying to mix the training, yeah. And they actually actually focus on different groups because mm-hmm. usually, usually when you get hurt, it's the, the the metabolic conditioning type of sports that take the biggest hit: running, biking, skiing, rowing. Yeah, like you can still like as long as it's a relatively isolated muscle group, you can still probably do some other strength training in the meantime. Like if yeah. you hurt your leg, you can still do upper body stuff or vice versa yeah dude i was in a cast in the gym when my foot was broken yeah 
Must have smelled nice. Ah, dude, it was disgusting. <laughs> Same thing with a with a cast. I would roll my knee scooter around the gym. Oh yeah. And then uh, when I had a walking boot, it was the same thing. But I would just do uh, machines for legs, like leg extension, leg curls, adductors yeah. and abductors. That was my leg day, which sucked, but at least I got something to it. And then uh, yeah, I just did normal upper body stuff, but uh, like really light on dumbbell. Yeah. Just because I couldn't be hobbling around with heavy dumbbells. And then a lot of machine work, but it worked. Got to do it. Here's my training plan. All right. Let's hear it. You've I seen think my, I know your training you've plan. You've seen me train before. Yeah, I know. And it's exhausting. <laughs> my training plan is strength five-ish days a week. Mm-hmm. Five, six. Just depends on how you feel when you wake up. That's and, also how you decide what to work on that day. Uh, Yeah, I have a process. <laughs> I... uh. I show up to the gym, and uh, I don't have a plan when I get there. No plan. That's the key. I'm being serious. I know you are, unfortunately. Just give a give a quick flex of yep. all the different muscle groups. Flex mm-hmm. your legs, flex your calves, flex your arms, shoulders, pecs. Yeah. Back. See which one of those is the least sore. Mm-hmm. That's what you're going to hit. Yep. Hit it hard, too. And you're going to hit it hard. Mm-hmm. and it might be that you train back the day before. But guess what? If your pecs are still sore from a couple of days ago and your back feels good to go again, train back. We're doing back again. It's, you know, sometimes, like, I think yeah. removing some of the complexities out of it yeah. is really what what keeps it key. Because, like, you know, you feel good for that. Or, <clears throat> excuse me, or I'll start doing shoulder stuff, and it just doesn't feel like it. Like, yeah. it's just not working. Like, it's just not there. Everyone knows the feeling. Yeah. Now I bail on those movements all the time. You're going to do something else. Constantly, yeah. Yeah. I got a leg day today. Cool. Man, that's crazy. Your calves must be sore every time you walk into the gym. <laughs> every single day, they are just killing My you. My calves are friends. sore every morning, every day. Every time I flex them, I said, it's not today, calves. Not today. Maybe next week. Maybe next week. Sport. Not even tomorrow. Hang Maybe it next up. week. Yeah. You've done your job. Good job walking. I don't know. That's that's what I do, and then uh, then you're gonna hit it. If it, I mean, we're just talking about strength here first, and then you know, go to failure. Usually, I do anywhere between like if I'm maxing out, like I don't really sit in the middle ground much. I'll either max out with just like a single heavy rep, like I mean, obviously I'll work up to it, and uh, and then it'll just be usually higher rep stuff, like reps of like fifteen to twenty, mm-hmm. twenty five. I don't really count. I just I've also noticed that. Yeah, it's sometimes it can be like eight reps on one arm and twelve on the other. It's really just by feel. Like you gotta feel the muscle and you gotta feel the squeeze. And once it says that's it, you put it down. Yeah. Well, you go just past that. It starts to burn. You gotta push through it. I feel like I remember one situation specifically that you were squatting and you had like a plan to go heavy that day. And you showed up and got like three reps with 225 and you're like, nope, we're nope. <laughs> going down. And you were squatting like 185, which looked hilarious Yeah, considering I've seen you squat like multiple, multiple plates and you're just doing like eight to 10 reps with like 185. That's the funniest thing. Yeah, I know. And uh, sometimes it happens though. Chloe was uh, giving me some grief one time because mm-hmm. I was benching. And I just had like a 25 on each side. I feel like I remember that too. I've benched like, well, whatever. My bench isn't all that impressive, but I have gotten four plates. 
which which four or five is pretty good. God, you're so humble. Yeah. <laughs> Not that impressive, but you know, four or five, whatever. <laughs> no big deal. Four or five. Yeah. No big deal. No big deal. When I hit two forty five, which is my all time PR on bench, yeah. which is literally nothing, uh I was pumped. I rode that high for like three weeks. Yeah. You gotta set those expectations. You gotta set those I expectations. Expect to hit it. Expect to hit gonna it. hit it. Anyways. Anyways. I was benching 95, just getting some squeeze. Because it wasn't, yeah. I just didn't feel it that day. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It works, I think, if you have the mental capacity to turn around and realize that you do have to push yourself into a point of uncomfortableness. Yeah. You know what's weird, though, on the flip side of that is sometimes yeah. you go in there with a specific plan. Well, maybe not you, but I go in with a specific plan, at least of like what I'm going to hit that day. Yeah. I might not know what exercises, but the other day I went in full body, like chest focused. And my plan was to do like heavy dumbbell presses, just go in there and hit them hard. And I got in and all the benches were taken, like every single one of them. The only thing that was open was an incline bench and incline bench sucks. I I love incline bench. Dude, it's good. It feels good. Yeah. But you just feel like you can't lift anything. Yeah. And I went in there and I was like, okay, dude, I haven't incline benched in like well over a year. I'm probably going to be lucky if I can put up 95 right now. Your incline bench muscles are just sore every day. Dude, every day. <laughs> but it was like, you know, 95. And then I was like, okay, that's not bad. I'm like, yeah. All right. Let's, let's just slap some tens on. Go up to like 115 and that felt good. And then 135 felt good. And then 155 felt good. And I was like, am I going to? Am I about to... We're going to hit it. Yeah, hit it. And it was just like Today's repping out 185. And I don't feel comfortable benching 185, but it was one of those things where it was like totally unexpected. And I wasn't doing high reps. I think I did like a four by four. But like had no expectations of it. Wasn't going into it trying to like kill the yeah. incline bench. But it just felt good. So I hit it. And I hit it hard. And then uh, I'm still sore. Actually, that was Monday. So That's a feeling lift. Yeah. That's the way to go. Or I'm telling wait. you. No, it was Wednesday that I did that. I mean, there's something to be said about programming. You're going to do five by five every week. You're going to increase it by like a couple percentage. Uh-huh. And then, I mean, there's no doubt about the fact that if you set yourself to a rigid plan work. with progression, like built in, mm-hmm. it's going to force you to progress. Yeah. But I don't, I think it limits the capacity that you could have if you more focus on understanding to bring that muscle group to the point of maximal exertion within its limits, like within form. Like the second that your form starts to go, like put it down. Yeah. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. You're going to get hurt. I feel like you see that a lot with lateral raises. I the same specific movement, but lateral raises is just a lot of ego lifting with lateral raises. I I don't think most individuals understand how difficult a lateral raise with like 25 pound dumbbells is. Yeah. No, it's tough. They're grabbing the 35s right out of the rack. Just They're doing this. Yeah, it looked like a penguin. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I can keep strict form for, like, 10 to 12 reps with 20s. Yeah. But I can only get, like, three sets. Four set, I'm probably going to max out at, like, seven. And then I just do a drop set. Yeah. Grab the 10s and you have like, 12. And even then, 12th rep with 10 pounds after you do a drop set is, yeah. like, brutal. Here's the, here's the litmus test. Mm-hmm. For your side lateral raises. Yeah. Anyone unaware of a side lateral raise? Well, grab dumbbells, put them by your side, and lift them with Make while keeping your arms straight. Lift them up. So abduct, like you're flying like a bird. Yeah. But like like 
they just flap their wings up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hands at your side and then make a T. That's a better way to say it. Yeah. Exactly. This but, is what I'm here for. <laughs> this is the broiest podcast that we that we've ever done. We we we've got range on this show. Yeah, we do. We've gotten PhD scientists, doctors, bro science laterals, and Zach, and Zach. All Sorry. right. Continue about lateral raises. Put your back up against the wall. Oh, dude. Try it. See yeah. what you can do. That's rough. That's your true test. Put like find those dumbbells. Make sure that your butt is touching the wall and like your like your upper back is lightly touching the wall. Mm-hmm. And don't let them leave. Mm-hmm. And then lift your arms up and do your side lateral. Whatever weight that you can do with that for like maybe three reps, that's probably your working weight for side laterals. If yeah. you're doing anything heavier than that, you know that you're not doing it correctly. Dude, that applies to uh, a few things as well. Like I started doing that for a while with uh, curls because I was like doing curls and then yeah. I started getting to higher and higher weights and I was like, I don't, I'm not seeing any growth in my arms. Yeah. Like I don't feel like I'm getting stronger Growth either. in the ego. Yeah, but like, oh, I can curl 50s. Like, that's what's up. And then I was like, all right, let's put my back straight up against the wall. Instantly dropped down to like 35s. And I was like, all right, maybe I should just stick with 35s. I'm saying. And then I stuck with 35s and saw almost immediate improvements. Like within two, three weeks, I could see like my shirts were fitting tighter and certain other lifts had carryover. Where where were they fitting tighter? Uh, Around my biceps. Oh, good. Yeah. Just eating too joke. many cookies. <laughs> too many cookies. Dude, I had a Met Market cookie. You bought me those one time. It was oof. Wow. Met so Metro Market cookies. Yeah. Best Gosh. cookie I've ever had. I think they're like purposefully like a little bit raw. Yeah. They're kind of doughy. Oh my gosh. Dude, they're so good. Wow. God, they're so good. good we went chin. to uh Mayono. And then afterwards I was walking out and I was like talking to my friend and I was like, yo, Jay, have you ever been to uh Met Market and had a cookie? And he's like, no, what is that? I was like, we're going to that market. I called Maddie while I was eating that cookie. Yeah. It changed my life. They're incredible. And it sounds ridiculous, but that cookie changed my life. It's the best cookie I've ever had in my entire life. And everyone talks about crumble cookies and they're wrong. Flat out wrong. I don't care what you say. There's got to be some science to back this. Met market cookie, best cookie ever. It was good. It was good. Yeah. Imagine getting a sponsor. I had thought of... That'd be crazy. Met market cook- sponsor? Yeah. Yeah. We, we could use just cookies. like a sponsor. I'm, I'm not even talking about for the podcast, like for literally anything. If you could get sponsored by them and get free cookies, oh. I would sell my soul. Yeah. Anyways. I, ra- I almost rationalized obesity again. <laughs> I thought, you know what? It might not be that bad. It might. I know how to do it. I know how to get rid of it. Yeah, you can do it quick. We can do it quick. Might be worth it. Anyways, that's my uh, that's my riff with side laterals. Yeah, I They're forgot right. what we were talking about with my training plan. Yeah, I forgot too. Flex your muscles. See which one's working. And then, uh, well, I guess just kind of do random works, like random weight exercises i guess that that comes with like knowing a library of weight exercises so become familiar with the way in which the muscles move yeah Yeah, you know that's where i think working as a personal trainer i sort of uh got an appreciation originally as a personal trainer obviously before going into science um 
having appreciation of all the different exercises that are available that are at least your standard repertoire yeah. of things that target different muscle groups mm-hmm. and then just do that. Uh, Which we kind of talked about on an earlier episode where I think it was like the weight loss one yeah. uh, where my advice was to go into a gym and don't be creepy. Don't be weird. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But just people watch for like 20 minutes and yeah. see how somebody's using the machine. See how somebody's like benching. You can, it, usually there's multiple benches in a gym. You can see three people benching three different ways. Yeah. For whatever reason. They I like to look at the most like jacked it. people mm-hmm. just to see, because it's, it's, it's interesting. Like if you look at the most jacked individuals and you look at what they're doing compared to what the majority are doing, mm-hmm. it's, it's usually a little bit more focused. Yeah. And um, it's less just like throwing things around. Yeah. And you I can kind of get an idea of how they're actually targeting different muscle groups. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. I think it's tough, though, because they'll, like, utilize a random machine for, oh yeah, like, a specific muscle group. That's like, true. They, like like sometimes I'll stuff. use, like, the hammer incline bench, mm-hmm. but I'll use like it for shoulder. That's where, um, you know, the hammer machines are the ones where they have, like, that pivot. Oh, there. yeah, yeah, Sorry, I'm thinking hammer curl. No. I know exactly which one. The one the, next to the yeah, squat the, rack uh, with the seat belt? Yeah. Yep. But that's the that's the decline, the other one that has the incline. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I'll use that for, like, shoulder press. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can stand in front of it, you can grab it, mm-hmm. and then do a little quick little, like, wrist clean almost, and then you yeah. can just push up. And so yeah. then you just have, like, a standing. I look like I'm rooting for something right now. <laughs> go back. I need video. Go back, go. Go back, go, little Wayne. She says. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I guess you're, you're right. Sometimes they'll use it. But a lot of times, like, what I think it's kind of cool lately. They got uh, QR codes on the side of a lot of the machines. Do they really? Yeah, so you can just scan it, and then it has it pulls up, like, a little GIF. Or is it GIF or GIF? Or? I think it's GIF. People GIF. say it's GIF, but the G in GIF stands for graphic, and we don't say traffic. That's what I thought. Okay, GIF. You've heard it today from a neuroscientist. Boom. Anyways, um, I think that uh, that's kind of cool because it shows you the little – it pulls up a little gif of how to do the exercise. There used yeah. to be a website. I don't know if that's it's still around. XRX.net. Never heard of it. That's where a long time ago they had just this like repository. I almost said suppository, but <laughs> I guess within the gym community that may not be out of the – This is so gym, bro. Yeah. Suppositories are – are coming back anyways uh it just had like a list of like muscle it, honestly i'm gonna give a plug xrx.net or dot com one of them You'll i'm gonna look this up while he's talking and uh it has a list of exercises that you can either pick the exercise and i'll show you how to do it or you can pick a muscle group like pick back and then from the back there'll be a drop down section of like you can either just get like general back exercises or you can like pick i want to target my latissimus dorsi or i want to tar- target my rhomboids major or minor and so you can like go into specific muscle groups if you want or you can just like say back arms whatever and then it'll give you this list of exercises you can click on the exercise and it pulls up a little diagram of someone doing that exercise so you know how to do it then are you sure it's xrx uh yeah, it might not be a thing anymore. It might not be a thing anymore. Oh, that'd be a shame. Oh wait, exrx exr e- yeah xrx.net. Okay, I was just typing in. See right XRX. here. Xrx. 
like the letter X R X, and it kept bringing. Oh up, no, that's uh, probably a ticker price for different. Xerox. Oh, I was thinking something else, but no. You see, okay. you can go to exercise libraries, and then it has like all your muscles. So you can uh, you can go chest. Wow, pectoralis major, sternal, whatever. You can click it, and then it has all these different things. You chest dip, or bench press, power lift, chest dip, cable bar, bunch of different ones, archer push ups, incline. And then you just click on it, and it gives you a little man or woman doing the uh, doing the exercise. Kind of cool. This is yeah. back in like before YouTube was even cool. Yeah. Now I'm yeah. watching a gif of a woman do like a Egyptian lateral raise kind of thing with cables. Yeah. It's really it was it's really like revolutionary when it came out, and it really showed like a lot of different. What's that? It looks like it dropped in 1999. Oh, so. Like this website came out. Yeah, it was wow. fantastic. Anyways, uh, beautiful work, and uh, that's how you can do it. It's kind of sweet. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Anyways, uh, with the mixing of the sports. It's tough. It's tough. And, you know, the thing that I found that worked the best was, as much as you hate to say it, getting rid of some of the compound lifts. Yeah. Like, like I understand like, like, okay. So like a power clean and stuff like that, like it's still, uh, a compound lift more or less, mm-hmm. but it's somewhat isolated. Cause you're not like dropping down into a squat and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't mean when I say compound lifts, like get rid of squat or anything. Like, those are fantastic. But, <clears throat> but like, Trying to incorporate like full cleans, full snatches, like Olympic more dynamic, lifts. full body kind of things. Yeah, stuff like that. That's where it starts to get like really tough because then your body's really getting beat up. Yeah. Like on both sides. Right. Because there's, you're sort of just like frying every muscle that you have. And then you're going to try to go do a sport that's going to hit one of them that's already been fried. And then it's like, yeah. eh. Which it seems like a lot of the injuries that you get when you try and go super hard in both things aren't even muscular. They're like a joint ligament. Injuries. Yeah. Yeah. So it starts to take a hit on that. So I don't know. For for me personally, I don't know. Not that I've figured out the magic solution, but yeah. my numbers of lifting are still somewhat decent. And then uh, obviously grappling is progressing. Um, is that like I had to go a lot more isolation lift. Like yeah. targeting what, like specifically, like sometimes if you're grappling the night before and you're fighting off like a, a an arm, tr- like um, excuse me, like a triangle choke or something for a long time, mm-hmm. that rear delt might be pretty sore. Yeah. And so guess what? You're not hitting that rear delt. No. But if you're doing like other shoulder stuff, like that's fine. Do front, right? You know, do do anterior lateral deltoids, like totally fine. But like you're just not going to hit rear delt today because it got fried the night before. Yeah. I don't know, like learning some of that stuff was like big. It's yeah. always just like, so that way you're just, you're always, at least in the gym, you're trying to take some other muscle group that's not been f- just absolutely demolished with something else Yeah, and do it. Like like your abs, for example, like if you're doing a lot of uh, warm-up drills and stuff for jiu-jitsu, usually they do a lot of abdominal work. Or if you're playing yeah. a lot of guard bottom position, like your abs take a pretty, oh, yeah. pretty good beating. Because mm-hmm. you're just sort of sitting in a contracted sit-up position for quite a long time. A long time. Especially so, in like open guard. Yeah. Training. And that so if you tough. can like balance that out, do some back stuff, mm-hmm. open it up, you know. So I don't know. That's that's The problem is is that like the self-feel 
the internalization training plan is tough to implement to the masses, mm-hmm. right? Because it's not like you can just write a thing that says, feel how this muscle group is feeling. Yeah. And then lift based on that. No, because everybody's different. Yeah. Everybody's so there has so to be like some sort of implementable standardization process, which is, I think, where mixing the, mixing the sports, that's where it starts to become. Because really, mixing the sports shouldn't be that difficult. Because all you're doing is just like adding in a little extra workout, mm-hmm. you know. And then, uh, and there should be no reason why you can't progress the two. But I think once you like standardize it and you just force, you know, to say you're doing squats today regardless. Yeah. And you end up like the day before you ended up, I don't know, maybe that's not, maybe that's not a good example. Let's say you have bench press on the, on the menu for Mm. your, uh, workout that day. And then, uh, the day before let's say you're a wrestler or let's say it's something like that or doing jujitsu and, and you're playing bottom position and you're trying to, you know, keep someone off of your guard for a long time. Like your chest and your shoulders can take a little bit of a beating. Yeah. Especially if you're getting just frames. Yeah. Especially if you're getting smashed and you're mm-hmm. fighting for underhooks and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so like, if you come in the next day and your training plans is like five by five or 10, like 10 by two or whatever bench press, like that's probably not a good idea. Yeah. But in a standardized training plan, you kind of have to have that. So. Yeah, which is that's the tough part of the carryover. That's how I hurt my elbow the first time. Is I was, yeah. you know, training like five six days a week uh, in the gym, and also doing five six days a week in jujitsu. And like at that time, I was hitting like like that same upper lower push pull legs. Yeah, and then I would do additional like shoulders and um, arm work on leg days yeah just yeah. to try and get like more volume because they're small like i got small arms i got sh- narrow shoulders and uh that's like what weasel. i weasel what like a ferret like a ferret yeah i kind of <laughs> look like a ferret you know body wise maybe an otter if i'm lucky but um my arms were taxed on the day that like yeah. my ucl got tore and like my elbows were sore already yeah my arms couldn't extend all the way because they were so sore like you know when you get to the bottom portion and it's just like stretching the shit out of it yeah that's how it felt and then i got caught in an armbar and my elbow popped and i tore my ucl and uh it was horrible yeah but that was kind of when i was like okay so i really need to just stop lifting which i went to the far extreme stop lifting altogether and then i would do like some push-ups and some pull-ups once my arm felt better yeah but i did that in june of last year and my elbow finally started feeling good around like december so I think that's also or I think felt stable again. Yeah. I think that's where the tough thing is. I think a lot of times this is a lot of generalizations coming from me today, but I don't normally generalize things, but um like with uh with trying to mix the two sports or three sports or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. There's always the one that's sort of a focus and then you're doing strength is like something to it's just supplementary. To supplement the primary sport. Mhm. And I, you know, I, I, the thing that I don't like about that is that sometimes kind of like we just talked about with, uh, if you're doing a bunch of bottom position, fighting for positions or whatever, and your pecs Mm -hmm. are sore, and then you got to go and bench press the next day. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think the flip side is taking a realization that if you're doing something in the gym and you're using strength to, um, to enhance your primary sport, 
then you have to realize that you're also being stressed into something that is building strength. Yeah. And that can't just be this thing that's sitting by the wayside. And if you're sore from your strength workout and you show up and you're doing track intervals, well, you have to realize at some point and say, Hey, look, my, my hammies are pretty sore from deadlifting the day before. Mm -hmm. I know I'm supposed to do hammies today or excuse me. I know I'm supposed to do 400 meter walk-offs like sprints, but that's just not in the books today. Yeah. You know? Because I think a lot of people truck through because they're like, well, this is what, you know, I, this is my primary sport. I need to focus on this. I'm just going to use strength to enhance it. And so mm-hmm. I'm just going to like disregard everything that I did in the gym yeah, and just pretend like it never happened and then go out on the field and then go ham and just completely disregard everything that you've done. Yeah. Strength-wise. And then you get hurt again. It all comes back to the injury. Because you can only do that for so long. You know, like yeah. you might feel good doing it for a couple of weeks. Right. Like you're if like, you're, oh, I can just push through. Yeah. Like if you're, if you're doing a hard arm day and you, I mean, sort of, I think mixing arms in jujitsu is a little bit risky Tough. sometimes because you don't know if you're going to get arm barred. Mm-hmm. It also has to do a lot with the trust of your partner, but some people, you just some people just rip at it. But I guess like, I, I know on arm days or times that my arms are taxed coming in to like a a sparring match if you get two hands on my wrist i'm tapping right don't care you have to be cognizant about the fact of just saying like i'm not going to let this go through the range of motion because even me straightening out my arm doesn't feel great yeah which is where i messed up was trying to fight an arm bar with sore arms to the point where i couldn't extend my arm all the way yeah and then it got like sucked in and popped yeah which is going to happen every time Mm mm-hmm Nope. So now, yeah, if my arms are sore, I'm just going to tap. If my shoulders are sore and I'm getting like Kimura or Americana or whatever, dude, I'm tapping immediately. Like if you get that grip and... No fake taps. Oh, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> That's the ego lifting of jujitsu. No fake. fake taps. I will fake tap You're my ass off. You're getting put to sleep in the gym. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I don't care. I don't care. Like what? You got me in an arm bar. Oh, well, I've been arm barred. But that takes a, a sense of, of maturity. Yeah, I think so. I think that doesn't develop until quite a long time. I I think maybe I I see it happen a lot where if you're younger, you're somewhat invincible. Like yeah, we to, all feel invincible when you're young. Yeah, like if you had a little tweak and something mm-hmm. your hip or your squatting and something just felt a little off, you know, when you're doing a max set. As long as you got a good night of sleep and plenty of water, you're probably fine the next day. Yeah. Probably good. When you're young, you don't even need that. You don't even need that. You just need a little bit of sleep. You need to shut your eyes for more than 20 minutes and you're like ready to go. Yeah. But I think once you start to get a little older, Mm -hmm. then you you realize that those things start to add up. Yeah. And so you start to realize that I would rather, like, like for example, like at the jiu-jitsu tournament that we were at the other day or mm-hmm. the other week there was that one person that in the nogi ended up getting arm barred twice mm-hmm. and uh wasn't having a good day arm bar wise and then the second arm bar it popped mm-hmm. you know and then he was sitting on the side with an ice pack on and was contemplating whether or not he should do the next match yeah, and you're like dude don't and it was like guy was it a young dude yeah yeah probably like, early 20s 21 22 and it took everything i had not to say hey look like 
I understand that it's a tournament and, you know. You paid for it. And you paid for it. You're here. You've trained for this. I I totally get the emotional aspect of it with racing and with, with competition fighting and things like that. But look, like if you're already compromised with your elbow, mm-hmm. you've probably hyper had it hyperextended, and uh, you know it's not dislocated or anything, but it was probably hyperextended. You have an option to go back out and perhaps get it armbarred again, yeah, and then now you're rupturing tendons, mm-hmm. and now you're dislocating things and getting surgery and now you're off the mat now you're getting yeah and then now you're now you're risking going to be out of training for months Mm -hmm. maybe six months which sucks yeah or if you just call it quits right now and you say i got caught in an arm bar twice my arm popped i need that arm in my sport Mm -hmm. i can you can probably have it healed up and be ready to go in like three or four days yeah like do you want to be out for three or four days or do you want to be out for six months you know, like, and it's like in the moment being able to, uh, look into the future like that. Yeah. And that's my kind of thing is that I've had enough injuries from, I mean, jujitsu alone, just like even, yeah, like getting something hyperextended, uh, and you're out for like a week, maybe two weeks if it's bad. And that sucks taking the time off the mats. Oh, it's or horrible. Like injuries from lifting, like even minor injuries, like your shoulders messed up. So now you can't really do chest or shoulders for a couple weeks yeah or injuries from the military which was plenty like it's not worth it to push something to an injury especially when there's something that you really give a shit about like if yeah. you love jujitsu just tap i know like the tap is there for a reason i think it's always like it's it's sort of like and and we all fall into this this fallacy as well is where the it's a hard time distinguishing between intensity mm-hmm. and stupidity yep uh because like there is you can be you can go to maximum intensity like if you're like if you're failing with your shoulders like in a side lateral or something a very isolated movement it's most likely that your cardiovascular system is fine you're Mm -hmm. not to the point where you're like gonna pass out your you know where your heart rate is at vo2 max yeah right but a lot of times like going to a maximum effort which is as intense as you can go for that exercise with good form like that is that 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 is the maximum level despite the fact that you're not like getting lightheaded and you're not at your vo2 max and so there needs to be like a realization of that like you can max out your your squat well maybe squat's a bad idea maybe you can you can max out a bicep curl Mm -hmm. And your bicep is going to be to the point of failure and it's going to be hurt. And it's going to be as intense as you can go mm-hmm. for your bicep without you feeling like you need to lay down and put ice on the back of your neck. Yeah. Right. And I think there's like a the confusion where they're like, this is how I felt like ma- sprinting maximum pace. Mm-hmm. Like this is, I feel like I'm about ready to puke and die. Like this is what intensity is. And they translate that over into like bicep curls. Yeah. And they're going to the point where it's just like, you've already maxed out your bicep and now you're just throwing things around and yeah. you're just trying to get your heart rate up when that's not the goal of the thing in the beginning. And then they're like, yeah, I lift super intense. And it's like, no, you, you already hit that point of maximum intensity. Now you're in some other dimension that is not intensity. Yeah. 
You're just, just being stupid and reckless. Yeah. Now you're just trying to add on some metabolic conditioning on top of your intense lift. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's dangerous territory to be in. It's a dangerous mindset. Yeah. Like you can fail a lift mm. and not be out of breath at all. Yeah. I'm not saying like for a big lift for a squat, if you're, <laughs> you're going to feel like you're going to die, but yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Face gets red. You might feel wobbly. I mean, people pass out doing deadlifts all the time. Yeah. I, I ruptured that, uh, one of the blood vessels in the back of my neck. Oh yeah. I thought I had a stroke one time. Mm-hmm. That was a scary one. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden, like I got to the bottom of the squat and it just went. And, yeah. uh, oh, God. Oof. and I went, uh Oh, like just things like just started getting fuzzy and white. And I thought, Oh boy, here we go. Here we go. It's happening. It's happening. it's happening. Damn. Did yeah, you drop the weight? What's that? Did you drop the weight? Uh, yes. Good. I did. I think. I mean, I've done some stupid lifts, but I've also defecated in a deadlift before. That's where you get your wisdom from. So that's, that's where, where the wisdom comes wisdom from. from. Yeah. First time uh, lifting 600. Little uh, nugget. Little nugget. Wasn't even a nugget. It's coming out. <laughs> Three piece tender. Avoiding, avoiding occurred. And that's when I realized my belt did not need to be that tight. Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah. Well, you're not yeah. gonna. It was already over the knees. You're not gonna stop. Yeah, might as well. There's only one reason why you fail a deadlift. What's that? Everyone can say all they want about deadlift form and all that they want about intensity, all they want about grip. There's one reason why you fail a deadlift. Let's hear it. You let go of the bar. Yeah. That's it. You can't fail it if you don't. That's fair. I mean, eventually, like, because, I mean, even if you get a half, you get halfway up your shins, you go back down, mm-hmm. then you let go of the bar. Well, yeah. You, did, you, did, you, you failed it because you went back down. Yeah. When you stop pulling, that's when you fail. That's fair. When you stop pushing, that's when you fail a squat. That's when fair. you stop pushing, that's when you fail a bench press. It's not that difficult. Dude, there's nothing worse though than getting to like the very top of the motion and you just can't yeah. finish it. So close. So close. But I don't know. Oh, that got sentimental. I got real sentimental real quick. But the gist of it is there. Yeah. I mean, that's why they tell you to check your ego. Like in a specifically in martial arts gyms, ego is a very big thing. Ego will get about. you hurt in a martial yeah. arts gym. Yeah, immediately it will get you. Like Muay Thai, like you can go in there with an ego and think like, oh, good street fighter, and like you get leg kicked one time, <laughs> and you're gonna get pissed off. And like if you have an ego and you rush that dude that just destroyed your leg because you're what? heavy on your front leg, you're done. You're gonna get pieced apart. Yeah. Like, use it as a learning experience to stay light on your front leg. Although I am a fan of humor in, like, lighthearted environments. Yeah. In the in the gym, which could probably be toned down sometimes. Like, where you're joking a little too much? Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Sometimes I'm not focused and I just talk shit while I'm rolling. Yeah, there's that, there's that like fine balance. I think like over the longevity, like you have to have something to look forward to to yeah. go there. Like if I think that's why I don't like. Well, I shouldn't say I don't like. I that's why I think you see a huge attrition rate at the global gyms. Mm-hmm. 
because there's no sense of community for the most part. Yeah. So you're just showing up to do your thing, stick in your headphones and leave. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no community there. Yeah. Whereas like the second they could go into a CrossFit gym or the second that they find themselves a good dojo or something like that, then there's this like sense of camaraderie, sense of, of uh, community. Yeah. Where you're like looking forward, you find entertainment mm-hmm. in that. And so that's when people start getting addicted for yeah. better or for worse. Yeah. I mean, there's how many families have probably been just torn apart due to CrossFit. Probably a lot. A lot. Probably a lot. Yeah. You know, so many kipping pull-ups. <laughs> just, you got to stop kipping all the time, Daniel. <laughs> Do strict form. And he's like, Nancy, I'm doing my best. So pissed off. And then they get a divorce. I didn't even mean that. I just meant like one of them is going and then they, you know, they throw away all their family just because they're always at the gym. Oh, no. <laughs> They throw away your family because they do kipping pull-ups. That's why you throw away <laughs> your family. It has nothing to do with how much time they're spending there. So, like, you spend 17 hours a week at the CrossFit gym, CrossFit gym, and you can still only do four strict pull-ups. <laughs> you're wasting your time. That's why. That's this, that's the difference in our mentality. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the reason that they... Which, you know... Because of the damn happens. kipping pull-ups. That's like a common thing, though, I think, too, for uh, young people in general, man or woman or whatever. Like, if you say you train night classes, I know you train night classes. I'm a morning trainer. I hate, but I lift in the morning. You lift in the morning. But, uh, like, say you go to a six to seven thirty jujitsu class. Yeah. Right. Like, you get off work at five, you go to jujitsu, you get home, you shower, and you're probably not done with everything until like eight thirty. And your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever is like, I never get to see you after work because yeah. we both work all day and then you go do jujitsu and you get home and you're tired and we talk for 20 minutes and then you go to sleep. Is this a personal attack? Is it a personal attack? I'm not kidding. No, but um, no. <laughs> I mean, at one point I was in a relationship when I very first started training jujitsu and yeah. that was a conversation. Like, I feel like I never see you because you're just always gone. I know. Like, every we can't ever do anything in the afternoon we can't go hang out with friends we can't do this like because you're doing that and then you go to bed early on friday because you want to wake up early on saturday so you can go train and do open mat it's I've, like i've long said that there is much. a fine line between an athlete and an infant mm-hmm. very fine line yeah can i hear the reasoning for this well like you just mentioned they're always tired mm. or they're grumpy yeah or they're hungry they stink and they go to bed early. Wow. <laughs> Did I miss anything? And they, they usually drink Pedialyte. And Pedialyte. They usually have Pedialyte, bad digestion. And they're looking for like applesauce packs. All the time. So. Man. Peanut butter obsession too. Just saying. I mean, it's not wrong. It's a fine line. But, you know, I think you got to. People get caught up in that and then. Yeah, they either ditch the significant other or they ditch the hobby. Yeah. And it's like, you know, there's very... I mean, that's why I'm such a fan of training in the morning. Like, Oh, it's great. Yeah, for like strength training. Like I, uh, until I started doing jujitsu, I always, well, like I would always train in the morning mm-hmm. as early as possible. Yeah. Like get into the gym at like 5.30, 6 o'clock, like great. Yeah, you feel good too when you do that. Yeah. It's kind of an ego booster because you're like, everybody else is sleeping and they're soft. And I'm in here lifting weights. 
crushing my body. Getting sweaty. Getting sweaty. You feel good too. You start work and everyone's like, oh, yeah. I just rolled out of bed 15 minutes ago. And you're like, dog, I've been out for three and a half hours. I've been killing it. Yeah. I know. There's just something about it. but And it kind of sets the tone for the day. Mm-hmm. But um, the evening workouts with the jujitsu has been an interesting one to mix because, like you said, you get done with work. You got to jet off there quick. And then by the time you're done, it's like 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. Yeah. You got to eat dinner still, shower, go to yeah. bed so that you can hit the gym in the morning. So I think like the two-a-days are definitely a They're stretch. Tough. I yeah. think if I wasn't, if I didn't have the scientist schedule, mm-hmm. which like they don't pay us a lot. So they might, you know, the, the good thing is that we have a large degree of freedom. Yeah. You know, that's sort of the, the appeal of academics. Yeah. Um, is that, you know, cause, and especially cause you're like very much on the schedule of whatever your surgery is or your animals that you're mm-hmm. doing your research on and stuff. But yeah, I mean, you gotta like show up in early and then you can do all your work and then you go home and then, you know, quick do whatever you gotta do and then get to the gym and then do it all over again. Yeah. Cause now you're adding in two a day. Yeah. But I think like. Even too, I found that was the hardest thing when I was running the gym with retention mm-hmm. is, and we were a small operation, don't get me wrong, but um, is that when you're doing the afternoon workouts and you're doing the evening workouts, it's most people fall, a lot of people fall off just because family. they got family. They got things to do. The morning people is easy. If you can get like a huge crew to come in in the morning, they're there every day. I mean, how, like, we had a group in the morning. Yeah. Like, you could walk in there and fist bump 15 people, and you see them every single day. Every single day. Which 15 people doesn't seem like a lot. But when there's, like, you know, 40 people working out, and you know half of them on a first-name basis because you see them every day. Knowing 15 people that are nice in Seattle, too, is a stretch. Yeah. Huge stretch. But, yeah, like, I can think back of plenty of people that I would have conversations with in the gym Pretty much every single day. Yeah. Because you just see them every single day. Yeah, they're always there. Mm-hmm. But the afternoon ones, not the case. Totally random. Totally random. I don't know. It's tough. That's the beauty of my, um, not necessarily my field, but my specific job of being like the lead is that one, I kind of set my own schedule. I mean, I have like set hours. The lead stamp collector? Yes. Yeah. The lead stamp collector. The Mallard edition is coming out soon. Be on the lookout, USPS.com. Sponsor. But, like, it's all feature-based. So if I have Uh. four features to build throughout the week, and I build all four of them by Tuesday afternoon, like, realistically, I don't have anything to do for the rest of the week. Like, I can find work to do, but, like, eh, you might, you might not. It depends how you feel. So I just split everything up throughout the day. So I can go and train in the morning at, you know, Get to the gym at like 5.50, warm up, 6 to 7. Get done with jujitsu. Get home by 7.30. Eat, take a shower, walk my dog, and sit down in my chair at like, you know, 8.30 maybe. And then work for two and a half hours. Have a meeting. Get done with the meeting. Go lift. Come back home. Finish work for the day. And then I'm still done before 5. Yeah. And I can just do whatever I want. Like if there's anything in the house that I need to get done. If I need to clean, meal prep. Got errands to run. Doesn't matter. I also work from home, which is beneficial. Another do you meal prep? Huh? Do you meal prep? I do meal prep. Oh, I know. Um, usually I meal prep. Yeah. But even then, it's not anything crazy. I just cook hella meat and vegetables and call it good. Oh. But um, yeah, and then I have the whole evening free 
to hang out with friends or family or girlfriend or like handle whatever, go out to events, whatever. And it's like easy to maintain that schedule yeah, because of the freedom of my job. But if I had to go be in the office from nine to five, like, dude, I'm, yeah, I can go train in the morning, but then I'm not dealing with going to the gym in the afternoon because the crowd is miserable. That's another thing that people don't tell you is that the morning crowd at a gym is usually everyone's so tired. They're just there. They're just, yeah, they're Um, in the zone. Like we're chit-chatting and bullshitting and some of us you know feel good when we're in there some people are just like they're just grinding through that workout but the afternoon it's packed it's like the busiest time probably yeah whole bunch of just you know no offense to them but like everybody's filming their workouts you're walking in front of it you're getting thrown up on tiktok and instagram and going viral because you stepped in front of somebody's camera and then joey swole stitches the video with his (laughs) line cut in his eyebrow shout out to joey swole uh dude it's like it's miserable i wouldn't do it. i wouldn't lift if yeah. i had to have that schedule just because in that specific situation it probably wouldn't be worth mm. losing you know two and a half hours of my night a deadlift yeah first out of the gates assert dominance assert dominance it's if you can even find a bar yeah that's it. even going at like noon dude sometimes i go in there and everything is packed and I'll go in there with a plan. And this is where your idea works a lot better is I'll go in there with a plan and end up not being able to do anything Yeah. because all the machines are taken up, all the barbells, all the racks are taken. And it's like there's a singular Smith machine with like two duffel bags next to it. And you don't see anyone there for 15 minutes. And you're like, what the fuck's going on over there? There's like a 25 pound dumbbell, two fives. 110 pound dumbbells and yeah. then like calf raise machine get that's to work. open and well the calf raises can that we don't need those <laughs> don't need those it's uh it's rough so i get i have sympathy for people that like do that and i also have a lot of respect for people that will go and work that like long full-time schedule and still get in it and crush in the gym or jujitsu or whatever you're doing yeah respect because i just don't give a fuck <laughs> i wouldn't <laughs> i wouldn't like if i can't do my stuff early I just don't want to. Also, my energy yeah. levels when I do anything in the afternoon like that, like yeah. doing jujitsu night class, energy levels are way down. They did they did some studies that showed that strength was actually highest on average in the afternoon. Was it really? Yeah, because of how how it mixed with the testosterone throughout the day. Hmm. Not like strength as a medium mixing with testosterone, but like the way that your cortisol and testosterone levels fluctuate throughout the day, it sort of hit a peak ratio in the afternoon. That's kind of crazy. Towards I think it was like five, six o'clock, something like that, which is sort of when you get that second, like everyone around like two, three o'clock feels like they're about ready to go into a coma. Mm-hmm. And then sort of it's around. because they drink coffee too early. They don't let their adenosine flush. I do it. I was pretty much in a mild coma yesterday. Wow. Anyways. Uh, and then, yeah. And then you sort of had that second, second wave. Where of you have like all of a sudden you're awake again. Mm-hmm. Apparently that's the the key time. Wow. So the more you know, the more you. But know. I mean, doesn't your uh, testosterone build while you sleep? Testosterone levels, like, yeah, they I, high that, that, when that's you wake what up? I mean. It had to do like with the ratios. Mm. It wasn't necessarily like your the, ratios between testosterone and cortisol. Yeah. What if you do that, Huberman? Get some sunlight in your eyes, and then you uh, take a cold shower first thing in the morning. Spike the cortisol have your test high and then go in there and just come out looking like 
Joe Rogan or something. We got to do an episode on cold plunges. Do we do the episode, start the episode with a cold plunge? Us? Yes. We can't afford microphones like that. We don't need microphones like that. We'll bring the laptop to Lake Washington. (laughs) Remote podcast in Lake Washington. Remote podcast. I could try. That'd be sweet. I can try. I'm not, I. You take cold showers or do cold plunges? I don't have anywhere to do a cold plunge. I have a call to action against the propaganda. Oh, propaganda. That is the cold. I. There's no doubt that cold showers, cold baths can elicit a neurochemical response that Mm -hmm. may increase feelings of euphoria, increase what we call maybe mental clarity, Mm -hmm. increase feel good molecules, dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And some people say that the dopamine might be increased for upwards of four hours following that. However, my question is whether or not a cold bath, a cold plunge is whether it's necessary or whether it's sufficient in order to elicit that response. And is it both? Is it necessary and sufficient? So if something has a sufficiency to elicit a neurochemical response, Mm -hmm. cold plunges might increase dopamine. Yeah. Chocolate might increase dopamine. Sex might increase dopamine. Mm-hmm. These are all sufficient stimuli to increase it. Yeah. But none of them by themselves are necessary. Okay. Right? Flip side. Never mind. I'll let you finish. You have <laughs> none of them up. by themselves are necessary, mm-hmm. right? And one of the things that we get when we accomplish a stressful task, especially when it's a self-induced task mm-hmm. that we have given ourselves that is a challenge to get through to feel victorious on the other side is you get that rush of dopamine to sort yeah. of strengthen the relationship between what you did to get you through that. It's one of the things that has made us very much survive as a species. Yeah. Right? We need to go through difficult times and we figure out what worked mm-hmm. to survive and we re- reinforce that response. Yeah. Right? And so that's where that part of that comes from. Yeah. Because it's not like... Right? I we're mean, very it's... primitive creatures still. Like, we don't want to admit it, but we are still very primitive creatures. And so, like, if fighting a saber-toothed tiger gave you the meat that you needed to survive, and that was rewarding, even though it was a tough challenge and we forced mm-hmm. ourselves to do it, you're going to get something neurochemically released, primarily mm-hmm. those those norepinephrine, dopamine, that kind of stuff, to reinforce that. Yeah. So that way you know to fight the saber-tooth and not to fight the T-Rex. Right. And so like when you're jumping into a cold bath, Mm -hmm. it's something that you're for, like you're sort of hijacking that system to a sense. You like don't want to do it. Yeah. But there's nothing necessarily unique about immersing yourself in something cold. Yeah. You know, it's like the cold is something that can elicit that response. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's cool that we figured that out. Yeah. But if you take a group of people that really like the hard thing is, is it's, it's very biased to the fact that. Everyone that's doing it wants to do it. Yeah. Right. If you're like, we can't, we can't like ethically take a a patient population, tie their hands and feet together, put them into a cold bath and then see whether or not they have the same response. Because I guarantee you, I can't guarantee, I relatively guarantee that the dopamine response that you get from those people is not going to be the same as you get from the ones that want to be in that cold bath. I have a very small 
uh, data set on this, but if you've ever showered with your girlfriend and they like it boiling hot and fuck with them, you crank it as cold as it can go while still being on and then you hold them with your arms so they can't run. That's like borderline torture. Yeah. But they will not be happy. For a During long time. or after. Yeah. I'm just... They are very negative after That's that. the thing. And that's what I want to see with... I, I have no ill will, no negative notions against cold bath. I think they're great. I yeah. think that if that is something that gives you that pep in your step that you need throughout the day, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Great. All the power to you. I do risk that... I do fear sometimes that people get a little bit too nutty with it and it becomes mm-hmm. a psychological dependency... That yeah. now, if you don't have your cold bath, your day is going to be bad. Well, congratulations. You're now addicted to ice. Yeah. Like, good job. Yeah. You know, and so, so that's just something to be aware of. Mm-hmm. Also, you have to be aware of the cardiovascular effects that are very much negative. Mm-hmm. Right. But again, that being said, I think they're great. However, I don't think that it's a like what I need to see for it to be like an actual controlled study yeah. To prove that it itself, like jumping in an ice cold bath, can do all of these neurochemical things. Mm-hmm. Is you need to be able to take someone that is like, let's say that they're angry. Let's say that they're in a psychological state, a neurobiological state yeah. that is very much void of dopamine, for example. Mm-hmm. Right. And let's say that you want to, like if, if the hypothesis is that taking that cold bath forces a state of euphoric feelings or forces a state of concentration or whatever. Mm-hmm. You you have to take someone that's not in that state and doesn't want to go in the ice bath mm-hmm. and you put them in there. Yeah. And if it forces them into that state, then you can say, absolutely, this stimulus is what is necessary in order to change that brain state mm-hmm. into a milieu of neurochemicals that allows you to be more focused mm-hmm. more hyper aware and yeah. that kind of thing and that's where drugs like a lot of drug studies are very powerful because um if i give you a diazepam what is that valium okay muscle relaxant mm-hmm. Does, you, you can't really fight it yeah you're gonna have muscle relaxation mm-hmm. right if i give you isoflurane which is an anesthetic. Okay. Sevaflurane, something like that. Never heard of it. You're going to go to sleep. Okay. Right? That's what's like used in surgeries mm-hmm. as an anesthetic to make you that go to sleep. That stuff is crazy, by the way. Right. Okay. <clears throat> like that's, that's we know that it works like that. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think like being able to add to the caveat that like ice baths are really good and they're really great if you want to have, like if you yourself are motivated and you yourself want to be in that bath. Yeah. Even though you tell yourself, because even if you say to yourself, I don't want to get in that bath, you know, it sucks, you're you still getting it. in the bath. So you yeah. want to be in there. So yeah. like at some point you did want to be in there because mm-hmm. unless you get tied up and forced into there, well, yeah, you know, that makes sense though. That's where it's biased. That Anyways, that's my riff. I don't take ice baths, but sometimes I will finish a shower with cold water just for like 30, 60 seconds, you monster. something like that. But, um, like, I don't experience, like, the mental clarity. It just feels good. Huh. Which sounds weird. Yeah, but, like, I feel weird. refreshed afterwards. Yeah. Which is more like a physical thing than a mental thing. Um, I haven't noticed any significant mental benefits from yeah. doing them. But 
I feel good afterwards. Physically, I feel good. Huh. Which might also just be placebo, but placebo effect is a real thing. It's a real thing. And it's I'm a, a fan. Seems pretty significant, actually. Um, but, you know. There you go. There you go. It's been like an hour 20. Wow, we kind of went off the rails. The plan was uh, weightlifting and strength and conditioning. And we've talked about cold plunges, uh, bench pressing mice. Or mice that bench press. Mm. How many mice do you think you could bench press? How many mice could I bench press? Yeah. I don't know. They bite. Yeah, but if I put like a bunch of mice in five-gallon buckets, how many thousands of them do you think you could bench? Uh, they're about average average adult mouse is about 30 grams okay how many grams are in a pound how about you just go how many grams are in a kilo how many is that easy how many wait, wait, wait let's do pounds two grams 2.2 two kilograms oh wait or i'm gonna do kilograms two grams All right. so one pound is 453 grams okay so we got to do 453 times like... 100 or 51? 453 times like 400, let's say. Okay. Pounds. Wow. That's 181,200 grams divided by 30. My max bench press is roughly around 3,020 mice. <laughs> That's kind of tight. <laughs> okay. 3,020 mice. Account for a five-gallon bucket and the bar, though. Yeah. Twenty eight hundred. Twenty eight hundred. That's still a pretty good number to put up. Six hundred, yeah. Your bench twenty eight hundred. Did you see there's that online calculator of how many camels is your girlfriend worth? No, but that's kinda tight. Yeah. It's very misogynistic, but Yeah. There's a lot of weird calculators online, so Yeah. Interesting concept. I wonder what the uh, algorithm looks like that. Like what's the formula like? (sighs) You gotta look it up. I can't say it. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. Also, final question. Would you eat a velociraptor? Would I eat a velociraptor? Yeah, if it was a real thing. The scientist just made a mammoth meatball. And last night I was talking to friends about eating a velociraptor if it was cooked Kahlua pig style. I don't see why not. Because I would eat it. Yeah. Super fast. Probably. You think they're uh, gamey? I mean, probably like an alligator, huh? Yeah, they're reptiles, right? Are dinosaurs mammals or reptiles? Reptiles. Okay. Reptilian. A reptilian. Okay. Well, that was my final question. So we're out. Out. www.theneuronetwork.org. Follow, subscribe, rate, review. And uh, send Nick questions if you have them. If you, yeah, if you have questions, send questions. Yeah, happy yeah. to talk about a plethora. We have range. We got gym talk. And we have scientists and doctors mm-hmm. and engineers and therapists. Therapists. So, all right. There's a lot there. Drop this dumpster fire up. All right. It's rolling down the hill. Yep. Let's go get Met Market cookies. Met Market cookies. And eat 10 of them. Obese. Peace.